What is up, Real Church? Thank you for tuning in to another Real Church podcast. This is David John Phillips. I get to be the pastor at Real Church, and I'm so thankful that you would take your time today to listen. I'm excited about this message because the title is Rise and Shine. It's going to be an encouragement and a really kick in the butt in the best of ways for you as a Christian to move forward in what Christ has called you to do. Also going to give a a pretty cool update about what God is doing in and through Real Church in Pakistan. You don't want to miss out. God bless. Enjoy. Isaiah chapter 60. Verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Everybody say, has come. Has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. You know, the context of this verse, God led me to this verse. This was where he led me to shift the message to. And um, when I read it, you know, those of you that have grown up in the church, you know, maybe there's a couple that 80s and 90s Christians, you know, you grew up in the church and so you'll know the song that I'm about to sing. But when I read it, I thought about this song and if you don't, that's okay. But I thought about um, rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, children of the Lord. Um, if you don't know that song, that's okay. That's, that's for those 80s and 90s Bible Belt Christians. Um, but man, there's a message there. Rise and shine for your light has come. And, and reading the context in Isaiah 59, if you read through Isaiah 59, man, this is just a bunch of darkness. It talks about darkness and being separated from light and, and, and people just focused on junk. And that's what a lot of people in the world are in right now. Separated from God because of their sin and pridefully saying they're good enough and rejecting going to Jesus. The problem is if you live that way, um, I mean, and you can choose to live that way. But if you live that way, in the end, you will get what you choose. You will either get to be judged by how good you were, which is never good enough. And so you'll be separated from God for eternity. Or you'll be, able to, you'll be judged by how good Jesus was. Because his goodness credited to your account. So you either trust in what you did or you trust in what Jesus did. And when you trust in what Jesus did, man, everything changes. You, you, the Bible says in uh, Isaiah 59, 20, the redeemer will come to Zion to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord, who repent. That's saying, hey, I've been living for me, trying to be the best that I could, trying to do a bunch of good things. um, But I realize I'm not created to live for me. So I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn to you, Jesus. And and I'm going to ask you, hey, to to you to be my Lord, to, to make me new, to make me clean. In that moment, he enters into your life. You're born again, and he invites you into his covenant. Now, his covenant, when God makes a covenant, he doesn't break it. You know what that covenant is? It's going to be encouragement for some people. There are some people in here. You gave your life to Jesus 15 years ago, or 10 years ago, or five years, and you've been far from him for a while now. And you just happen to come here today. Um, to check this thing out. I got good news for you. God never broke his covenant towards you. Let me tell you what his covenant was. Verse one.
verse 21. This is for those who have been born again. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit, Isaiah 59, 21, my spirit who is on you will not depart from you. And my words that I have put in your mouth will always be on your lips, on the lips of your children and on the lips of their descendants from this time on and forever, declares the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that you didn't believe a lie. You know, that's the power that Satan has over you, by the way. The only power he has is he's the deceiver, the father of lies. So he brings all of these deceptions at you in order to get you to believe them. And when you believe them, then you're under the power of the lie instead of living under the truth, right? And so you believe that you're a product of your bad choice that you just made, so you can't go to the Father because of your guilty conscience, and you fall back, and now you're in guilt and shame and completing a circle, and instead of rising and shining. Satan wants you to believe a lie so that you don't shine anymore, so that the light that's inside of you never gets out and changes the world around you. But the truth is, God doesn't break his covenant to you, and he's saying to you again, rise and shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord is, rises upon you. Why? There's a purpose. Verse 2 of, uh, of, just read 61 again. Arise, shine, for the light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. Verse 2. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people's but. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. I think of it as, as you, know, um, you know, those bug zappers. <laughs> and bugs don't even know why. They're going to die if they touch the light. But they just, and they're dead. You're cre you, you are the light of the world. And there are people, there might even be people in here who don't know Jesus, which is awesome. You were drawn to here like a bug drawn to light in order to be zapped by the light and die to yourself and live for Christ. You are the light of the world. You're created to shine. Rise and shine for the light has come. There's darkness over the earth. You're not supposed to be scared of the darkness. You know what? You're not supposed to complain about your job being so hard because so, the people are just so evil and, and so, I mean, they're just, my boss is so bad and all. Man, praise the Lord you're, that your job's filled with darkness. That's awesome because you're a light. You're created to shine in the darkness. Go shine. That's awesome. Change your perspective and you'll change the atmosphere of your job. Oh, it's so hard in my home right now because of this. I bet it is. It is. But you're supposed to rejoice in the midst of that circumstance and shine. Because you know what? The, 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 the enemy wants you to think it's too hard for you to shine. But Jesus says, keep your eyes on me. I can't wait to see you shine because I put my light inside of you. And when you shine consistently, it's going to change the atmosphere of your home. Yeah. Might take time. But it will come. Amen? Amen? So I'm going to give you some stories of shining. Because in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, which I already read, it tells me, you're the light of the world. 
town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Man, if we got a bunch of lights in this church, man, think about how bright that is. That's awesome. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify God. I'm about to share with you some testimonies, quite a few testimonies, actually. And I'm not sharing them with you as a pastor. I'm not. My role as a pastor is not to do ministry. My role as a pastor is to equip you to do ministry. It's Ephesians 4.12, by the way. Ephesians 4.11 and 12, go, go look it up later. My role as a pastor is to equip you to do ministry. Our role as believers in Christ is to do ministry in our daily life. So I'm sharing these testimonies with you. As a believer in Jesus, this is how God's been using me to do some ministry in my daily life. And as a pastor, I'm sharing it with you to equip you and to incite you to good works so that you let your light shine in ways that you never dreamed of. And maybe God put this seed in my heart because Chevy likes stories, so I don't know. But I'll, I'll start. You know, you haven't seen me wear a hat in this church yet um, preaching. I like hats. I wear this hat all the time. It says Jesus on it. Or I don't, I don't know which way it is. Anyway, he says Jesus one of those ways. And... Um, I wear it because uh, sometimes it brings questions and sometimes it brings controversy. And man, when Jesus walked into a room or when, even when Paul walked into a room to, to be a light for Jesus, man, there was revival and riot everywhere he went. So if I'm, if I'm bringing the good news of the gospel of grace to people, there's going to be revival and riot. I mean, it just will. I'm good with it. So this was Thursday, actually. I took my kids to the, um, to the park. Highland Park, and I'm, I'm sitting on my bench, and, and, and they're playing, and I'm really, if I'm honest, I was a little self-absorbed. I was, a lot of times I'll talk with people, but t this time I was just kind of looking at some YouTube videos and didn't feel like talking with anybody. And this guy, this awesome dude, walks up, and he strikes up a conversation with me. And I look up, and at first I was like, hmm. And I just start asking questions, and I'm, I'm engaging with him. He's amazing amazing man. I think his name was Scott. And uh, maybe he'll come here one day. But so I was, I was talking with him and, and we were talking about life and, and just all kinds of stuff. And I'm really asking questions and getting to know him, getting to know his heart. And about five minutes in, he says, you know, uh, he, he made reference to my hat that that was the reason that he struck up the conversation. So I said, mm, open door. So Scott, do you know Jesus? You know what? God has not given you the spirit of fear. He's not, well, another version says of timidity. It's okay to ask people that question. Somebody just, somebody needs to hear that and just, hey, it's okay to ask somebody, are you born again? Do you know Jesus? That might be the one thing that they need. I ask, hey, do you know Jesus? You know what he said? He said, you know, I'm trying. Usually that is a sign that they need to be born again. I'm trying. It ain't about trying. It's about receiving and knowing. I didn't say that. He said, I'm trying. I said, man, well, tell me, like, you know, so I just asked some more questions and listen. I said, you know what? I think God brought you up here to me. I think, I think, 
I think you were drawn into this conversation and we began talking because God's got a plan for your life and he wants you to know him. He wants you to be born again. And I shared the gospel with him, just simple. And I said, man, would you like to be born again right here? Would you like to receive Jesus? He said, yes. <laughs> Two grown men, our, he, was, he was ready to leave, but, but in the conversation, he, he stayed there. He made reference to it after. He's like, I'm glad I stayed. Two, two grown men holding hands in a park on Thursday, and, and he's receiving Jesus. I get done praying, and, and I just, I, after he receives, I, I lay my hand on him, I pray for him. God to bless him and just fill him up with the Holy Spirit and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I get done, and he's just sit there kind of stunned and silent. I'm like, he's like, it's just real emotional. You know why? Because it was real. And I sent him home with homework to read John chapter 3 to see what happened and to read Acts to see what, how we should live. You know? Did I tell you that? To say, look at me, I'm a super holy Christian. No, I told you that to say, hey, I'm a believer in Christ Jesus created to shine just like you are. And the same Holy Spirit that's in me is in you. You are created to shine for Jesus. And the more that you shine, the more the world around you will be transformed to darkness to light, from darkness to light. Amen? I got another one. I was driving about a month ago, and this story's in process, and I love stories that are in process. I'm gonna get to Pakistan, don't worry. I was driving about a month ago, and uh, I, um, it was actually right across the street here. There's a bus stop on this side of the street, but there's also a bus stop across East Bay. Um, and so I was driving on the other way, going to, uh, turn into where I live. We live half a mile that way down 6th Street. And so I'm, I'm driving. It's Thursday. On Thursdays, I prep my message. Just so you know, I usually don't schedule a meeting on Thursdays. If you call on Thursday, I probably am not going to answer because my focus is on prepping the message so that I can come here prepared and ready and just asking God what he's going to do. So usually my Thursdays are wrapped. It's me and Jesus time. So I'm driving. I just dropped the kids off at school. I'm going back home, about to go into my office and I look, and there's a guy sitting on the bus stop, like an older gentleman. And I heard in my heart, when I say that, and you hear people say that, and you're like, ah, but what, do they, what do they mean? Really, it was a thought that came into my mind that I knew was not my own. And it, the thought was, I love that man. I knew that wasn't me. I don't even know the dude, you know? <laughs> and so I was like, so I engaged with the Holy Spirit. I said, you know, we're always, pray continually means continually listening and conversating with God of the universe. You know what? If you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You can do that. You learn to hear his voice more clearly over time, but it's just part of the process of learning to walk with him. So I engaged with him. I said, oh, oh so you do you want me to stop and tell him? Yes. And then, of course, I, you know, flesh tries to make excuses. But Romans 6 says, I've died, I've been crucified with him, so I don't have to choose what the flesh wants, I can choose what the spirit wants. I'm free from that, right? So, flesh tried to make excuses. Well, I gotta go write a message, and this, that, and the other. I'm like, wait a second, God just said yes. So I turn in 6th Street, turn, park in the little parking spot that's behind the bank, and I walk up to him. I say, excuse me, sir. I said, I, I just believe that, that, you know, God 
I felt this in my heart as I drove by, and I came to tell you that God loves you a lot. He looks up at me. He's got something hanging out of his hat, and he says, huh? <laughs> I said, I said um, sir, I, God loves you a lot, and um, I, I, I believe he told me to come and tell you. You a pastor or something? <laughs> I said, well, yeah, but I'm not telling you as a pastor. I'm just telling you as a, as a, as a believer who follows Jesus. Where your church at? Right, actually, right there. You see, you can see the back of the truck right across the street, huh? You guys believe in the Holy Spirit? Like, I mean, literally, like that. And I'm like, well, yeah. He's like, you speak in tongues? I said, well, I mean, you're probably not going to hear the whole church speaking in tongues all together. But, but I mean, it's in the Bible. It's a gift of the Spirit. I, I do all the time. Like Paul said, probably more than all of you. But, I mean, that's just part of the Bible. You my man, you my man, you my man. I said, I said, okay. And he takes his phone. So he had his phone in his hat, like right here. And he was listening. It was up in here and he was listening to whatever he was listening to, right? So he takes it out and he shows me and he's listening to Grace Episcop or no, Grace Church out of Kentucky preaching about, uh, preaching on the gospel. He says, this is what I'm listening to, man. He said, he, so we started talking. We started talking about grace and righteousness and, and life change and everything, man. And this guy knew Jesus and it was awesome. A lot of the books that I like that are foundational to me, Destined to Reign by Joseph Prince, Watchman Knees, The Normal Christian Life. This guy's read them. I'm like dumbfounded. So I'm, here I am, he's in a, in a bench. And a lot of times when you minister to somebody, don't stand over them. I sat down and was looking up, up at him, you know. I mean, it's just kind of like a, it's, it's a good posture to honor the other person, right? So we're, we're talking back and forth and and uh, we get done talking about 20 minutes, and I said, man, you know, I got to go. And, and so I go to get in the car, and it starts sprinkling. So I roll the window down and say, hey, and his name, he had told me his name at the time was Anthony, um, Anthony Thompson. And I said, Anthony, you need a ride somewhere, man? And he says, he says uh, I said, where are you going? He said, I'm trying to get my, uh, my ID renewed. I said, okay. I said, well, where can I take you right now? He said, just take me to the gas station. So I take you to the gas station. So he hops in the car and we're driving. And in the course of our conversation, sitting on the bench beside him, before he got in my car, there was an open bottle or open can of Natty Ice, uh, our natural light, you know, a beer. And so as we're driving, I felt prompted again by the Holy Spirit to ask him. So I did, right? Sometimes loving someone is a little nerve-wracking because you don't know how they're going to respond. But if you love someone, you love them enough to ask them about truth, right? So I said, hey, Anthony, I noticed the open container you had. Do you have a problem with alcohol? And Anthony goes, yeah, man, I do. He said, man, I, I've been to rehab after rehab after rehab. And, man, all they teach is legalism. And like performance-based junk. And I tried that for years and it made me lose my mind. But I, you saw me listening to this thing because it's teaching me righteousness and grace. And I literally got my mind back. Uh, my mind was healed from like mental junk to, to I can think clearly now after reading, you know, Destined to Rain and Watchman Nee and all these things. He's like, I'm healed there, but I've given up on going to rehab because I just figured 
there's nothing but the legalistic really rehabs out there, and I didn't want to lose my mind again. I, I, I didn't think I could find a, a rehab about grace and righteousness. I stopped. I looked at him, and I kind of laughed. I said, Anthony, you're in the right car. I said, my dad, and some of you know this, not all of you do. I said, my dad started, and my best friend runs the largest faith-based drug rehab in the state of Louisiana. And the curriculum is grace and righteousness, my friend. I said, I said, you'll, you seven months, you'll be there, and it'll be like a, a seminary for you of, of learning who you are in Christ. Not just showing you who Jesus is, which is important, but that's the first half of the gospel. The second half is Jesus showing you who, who he's created you to be in him. A lot of believers believe in Jesus and believe who he is, but they, when it, they don't receive by faith that we're new creations in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new is here. Righteous and holy in him, not because of what we did, but because of Jesus did. And believe that so that the practical aspects of our life actually change. Yeah. He's like, what? Yes. I said, if I called and there was an, an open room, would you go? He said, yeah. So I called while he's in the, in the room to my, my friend that runs it, Clay. Clay says, hey, we started a class two, two, two nights ago. How fast can he get here? I said, Gripper, if I found a plane ride for you, could you get there today? Would you go today? He said, yes. Wow. I said, all right. So we went. We drove to the Clearwater uh, ID place. The test was, I was going to see if he was really getting his ID done. If he wasn't, then maybe, I don't, I don't know. You know, probably couldn't buy a plane ticket for him. But he was telling the truth. Clearwater was closed. We had to drive all the way to Pasco, right? Sometimes when God asks you to do something, it's out of your way. But oh, the, oh, the over. A never-ending, overwhelming, reckless love of God. How it chases me down, fights till I'm found, and leaves the 99. That's how you're called to live. So we drove to Pasco, sat in the DMV thing for a while, and he, he renewed his ID. As soon as that was done, made a phone call, got some plane tickets. He flew out, so I met him at 9 a.m. He was on the plane at 5 p.m. He made it in Louisiana by 7 p.m. that Thursday. Fresh start, picked him up, drove there, not done. He gets there and he starts having second, he starts having doubts. He calls me, he's like, man, could you fly me back? It's, you know, this is just too quick. And he starts making complaints about this, that, and the other. And I'm like, oh. And by that time he had, he, he got to know me a bit. So he had introduced himself as Gripper. That's what he really went by, Gripper Anthony Thompson, you know. And so I, he really let me know his identity, if you will. I said, well, Gripper, I said, man, um, it, it, it really concerned me. So I actually called my dad. It was 9.15 at night. And my dad got up, drove 20 minutes to go talk to him. I got off the phone and I start praying. Let me tell you the power of prayer. And it's not just because I'm a pastor. It's because I'm a believer and I understand my identity in him. And you have the same power. I prayed that God would change the situation and change his heart. And whatever the enemy was doing to try to rip this change from him, God had given him this miracle. And the enemy wanted to steal it so it didn't produce fruit. So I prayed. Ten minutes later, Gripper calls me back. Completely different attitude. Instead of putting up the front, a lot of people, they, they want to be free deep down, but they put up a front and never tell you the truth. You can't be free with putting up a front. You got to get down and, and see the truth. You want to be free? Stop fronting. Tell the truth. Gripper says, 
if I'm honest, man, I'm just, I'm scared of the COVID test. That's what all the other was. I was, I'm just scared. I got a COVID test tomorrow. I've had some issues, you know, and I, I don't want to be quarantined and all this kind of stuff. I, I said, man, fear is not of God. It's not who you are. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Let me pray for you. Prayed for him. He took it. COVID test. All was good. He's there. He's been there for over a month now. He's in second phase, passed all his tests, and God is doing an amazing thing. I don't tell you that to brag on me. I'm bragging on God. That, hey, we are lights in this world created to shine for Christ Jesus. And you are not created to go to a church and say, hum, 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 I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like that. If the love of Jesus is not in that church, you're there. So it should be. Yeah. <laughs> Quit complaining about it and help it to grow. Amen. It's the religious division crap that needs to get out of the church. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees. Some of them listened to it and came to it and said, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. The rest of them crucified him. Which one are you? Are you a Pharisee, a religious person that thinks you know a lot of scripture, but is going to crucify the, the move of God? Hmm? Are you going to join it and follow him? Just telling you the truth, because I love you. Amen. All right, I need to update you on Pakistan. Um, I'm going to take the next 10 minutes to do that, and then we're going to close, okay? Because God's doing some cool stuff in Pakistan, um, and we get to be a part of it. Not only are we called to shine a light here, and, and by the way, the brighter that you shine, the more will impact people in Pinellas County. But just so you know, as your pastor, part of your pastor's call is to cross cultures around the world. That's what I was doing before I planted this church, and I want to live out my call. He's given me the freedom to do that. So you will notice that we will impact more people around the world than we do right now increasingly because I'm living out my call and inviting you guys to be a part of it, which is awesome. And together, we will continually impact more people in Pinellas County as you and I in our daily lives shine bright and are obedient to what he tells us to do. Amen? Okay. So um, just as a quick review... I've been praying for Pakistan five, six years, and a lot of times when you pray for something God puts on your heart, uh, he uses you as part of the answer to your own prayer. He just does. It's awesome, um, and it's a wonderful thing. And so I encourage you to pray for the things that God puts on your heart. I shouldn't eat this. This will be loud in the microphone. Um, and so I started praying for Pakistan, and then back in October, God gave me the freedom to move forward with uh, connecting with them and, and help, inviting you guys to be a part of it. And so uh, this first picture is I, I connected with a guy named, I'm going to call him Sagar. That's the, uh, the name he goes by in ministry and his wife, Pooja. Amazing people. I had been building relationship with them over time, testing it out. This first picture is he invited me to minister to his small group that he has on Wednesday nights. And so this is that picture. Um, in the top right, I know it's really small. I ministered to them. And I, sh I just shared my heart. And in sharing my heart with them, part of that is I shared the testimony um, uh, about India. And a lot of you guys have heard this testimony. If you haven't, I apologize. I'm not going to have the time to go into it. But basically, um, back in 2017, I was in India and was preaching before a crowd, more than this, about 180 people. And man, they all gave their life to Jesus, which was cool and awesome. And I uh, knew that there were people in the, in the crowd that were sick. And I asked, if you're sick, raise your hand. About 80% of them raised their hand. And I just proclaimed, in the name of Jesus, be healed. 
one person was healed in that crowd. And I was so glad it was just one, and I'll tell you why. I asked him to come forward. It was something wrong with his foot, and it was healed completely. And I looked at the crowd, and I, I shared this testimony with that, that group of people, the, uh, Cigar's small group on Wednesday. I look at the crowd, and I said, this didn't happen. He wasn't healed because I'm a super holy white American Westerner. I said, he was healed because I'm a Christian, and I'm full of Jesus, and I believe what he says about me. And I'm walking in, in what he commanded us to do. I said, but the crazy thing is, you're all Christians now. You all have Jesus in you. You're five-minute-old believers. I said, so the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is in you. Do you believe that? They all shook their head yes in India. And this is how they shook their head yes. I said, awesome. I said, great. So how many of you guys are still sick? 80% of them raised their hand. I said, so why don't you lay your hand on the person beside you that raised his hand on it and command them to be healed in Jesus' name? They looked at me like I'm crazy, like they're a bunch of American Christians. I said, you just told me you believe Jesus is in you. Is that right? See, they don't have any theological training to say that that's not right. They just believe, believe God at his word and move forward in what he says to do. We just have all the excuses because we haven't seen it in our experience, so it must not be true instead of trusting God at what his word says and making all these theological excuses for why. So I said, you, you, you told me that, that the same Jesus that's in me is in you now. Is that, do you believe that? Yes. I said, great. Lay your hand on the person beside you and pray that they're healed. And the same power that flowed through me for this man will flow through you and impact them. They did it. About eight or ten of them were healed. It wasn't me. It was these brand new believers. Called them up. They shared some testimony. Just did that to build faith. They did it again. Eight to ten more were healed. And I said, praise the Lord. Go back to your villages. Preach the gospel. Proclaim that the kingdom has come. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Jesus is here. That's what Jesus told the disciples to do, right? They did it. So I, I shared that with uh, that, that small group on Wednesday night. And I said, you're a minister of the gospel. I said, you're a missionary everywhere that you go. I said, you, if you believe this, go do it. Your actions will show what you really believe. And I, commission, I prayed for them and commissioned them to go. You know what they did? That night, one girl's mother, tumor, healed. They began to walk in the belief, the understanding, the word that they heard by faith. I'm telling you the same thing, church. If there's doubt in you, just say, God, help my unbelief. And go to him and hear his word. And over time, you will begin to walk like Jesus because you're called to shine. What if you spent time in his presence and really believe what he said about you instead of making excuses for what you don't see? Amen? That's what we're called to do. Moving forward, Daniel, I mean, sorry, Cigar, um, Saul, that and he invited me to preach the gospel um, to some unreached people in India or in in, in Pakistan, um, and I was going to preach video again, and um, he called me twenty minutes later. Like I'm I'm ready to preach the gospel. I know I'm preaching to non, to non Christians, and and uh, the time came and didn't come. You know nobody called. T Ten minutes later, nothing. Twenty minutes later, finally I get the call, and it's just audio. 
And I'm like, so I'm, he said, they're ready, preach. I'm like, so I preach my little heart out. I have no idea who's in the room or, or who, you know, what's going on. I have no idea whatsoever. And I preach and uh, I was like, are they receptive? He, they go, yes. I said, okay, we'll do an altar call. So I, I you know, I, I had them, you know, raise their hands if they wanted to receive Jesus, led them in the prayer and then hung up. <laughs> And I had no idea what had happened. About a, about a day or two later, I get this video. And this video, you're going to hear them speaking in Urdu. And I, I shared this back in November with you guys. I'm just giving you a re- reminder and a refresher for those that are new. You're going to hear them speaking in Urdu. And you're going to hear me on the phone leading them to Jesus in English. And what had happened, just so you know, the reason he didn't call me 20 minutes before was because there was some persecution that had happened. It was like a, a rape, some crazy stuff, right? And these people ran in fear, but still wanted to hear the gospel. So they congregated in a little building area. And that's when they called me. And these are the people that had congregated. Let's, let's watch the video. You can, you can bring that down. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Jesus is good. He's amazing. And so that built our relationship stronger. Through that, uh, Sagar asked me, hey, would you guys like to partner with a, you know, uh, uh, like a mini crusade we're doing in these 15 villages that a lot of you guys know about? We said yes. Um, before we really brought it to the church, I talked to the leaders, and we just we gave five hundred dollars um, in order to bring in to bus in the people. They didn't really have any electricity; they just used kind of lights of the vans. And this this is that that small crowd, um, and one hundred and ten gave their life to Jesus. And this is an area of fifteen villages where there's no there's no uh, I mean it's, they're unreached. They, there's a, a, a translation of the Bible in this language uh, in the New Testament, not in the Old Testament, not even audio Bible. Um, they, they need the gospel. So 110 gave their life to Jesus. Over the course of the next three days, 300 people gave their life to Jesus. I, I asked Sagar, I said, well, is there a church? Is there a pastor? And you guys might remember this story. I've, I've shared this with you. He said, no, closest like six hours away that I know of. I said, well, what do they need? He said, Bibles. I said, no, they don't. I said, first, they need disciple makers. They, see, they need pastors. Church existed for 1,500 years without a printed Bible. They need leaders who can show them Jesus. I said, what if God put on somebody on your team's heart to move there for six months? This was 14 hours away by train to move there for six months and, and raise up some leaders. He said, ah, oh, that's it. God put it on my heart yesterday. I know the person. Let's do it. So we prayed. And, and the man, Farouk, um, you can show the next picture. I think it's Farouk. Oh, wait, there's the buses we bought. Keep going. There's Farouk. 
uh, and Cigar, the man Farouk, Farouk's on the right, um, he and his wife and two children quit their job, moved 14 hours away, and, and decided to begin um, discipling these guys for six months, which was about five and a half months ago. We, as a church, we gave the fifth, uh, the fifth Sunday offering of November to, to that. I shared all this with you. You gave, we, we needed $7,500 to pay for Farouk's six months and for water pumps in the 15 villages because those new believers were kicked out of the Hindu temples and had no access to clean water. So we, you guys gave, instead of 7,500, you gave 15,600. Nice. <laughs> so not only did we have money for that, we also had money to buy Farouk a motorcycle or a motorbike. There we go. So that he wouldn't have to walk, so he could ride to the 15 villages and spend more time with them. Um, we also uh, built 15 hand pumps that are called the water of life hand pumps and uh, water of, and they not only the Christians come but they they open it up to others it's given them more influence uh, we just sent cigar uh, back he's gone a couple of times you know they went for Christmas and, and some other things they they've had a funeral since then for one of the believers and other things and it was just beautiful uh, we sent cigar back a week before last and um, taught them something called T4T, which is like multiplication and discipleship, preparing them. Uh, there's now 431 believers instead of 300. Praise the Lord. They're multiplying, and it's just going to happen more rapidly. And God put on my heart, um, you know what? Because the sixth month is coming to a close. We have a good foundation. What if we ended with a big old crusade? In, in American terms, it's a big old revival service. What if, we, what if we ended in these 15 villages um, and, and we invited every single person in the 15 villages and paid for their bus to come in, which is over 3,000 people? I said, what if we did that and preached the gospel and every single person in those villages gave their life to Jesus? How awesome would that be? And not only if they gave their life to Jesus, now they have other believers who are a couple steps ahead of them that know how to disciple. How that would transform 15 villages and would spread from there like wildfire. I said, what if? That would be amazing. God put it in my heart. But then he also, I knew that unity between churches is kind of a big deal, right? And a lot of times to unify, you need to be on the same mission together. So I've been building relationships with other pastors in the area, some deep ones with Pastor Josh Poole of Mission City and Pastor Stephen Holly of Generation Church. Been meeting with Pastor, Pastor Josh since before he was even the pastor there. Weekly, every Tuesday, the house coffee shop. I told him all of these things. He's like, man, that's awesome. I said, I'd love for you guys to be a part. I said, you know, it's going to cost us 15 grand to do this, this big crusade. I said, what if, what if you guys were a part and you guys sowed a third of it? Generation sowed a third of it. We sowed a third of it. And then I invite you into relationship with Cigar and Puja. And, and we see what God does. Man, he could... He could transform a lot of Pakistan if we're working together, you know, with him and learning from him and learning from one another. He's like, I'm in. Would you come preach at our church? So I went and preached at Mission City last week. Mission City's partnering with us, sowing at least $5,000 in, which is exciting. Generation Church uh, didn't even have to go preach there. They just said yes. You know, heart for missions. I love it. A heart for this. So they're sowing five grand, and our church is sowing five grand. Not gonna, we're not taking up an extra offering or anything like that. It's from tithes and offerings. The, our church ties off of your tithes and offerings. If we're going if, if to teach tithes, tithing, giving 
and, and that's what we do as believers, then the church body as a whole should probably do the same thing, right? So as a church, we take 10% and we give it to other ministries and churches that are not under us in order to sow into the kingdom of God around the world. Not just 10%, because we do tithes and offerings. So we give over and above that too. And that's what this is. It's going to be an offering from the church, $5,000. You don't have to sow directly into it. Don't ask if you can. You can sow into a real church, your tithes and offerings, or whatever God puts on your heart, and we'll take from that pile and, and write a $5,000 check and, uh, and, and figure out what else is needed and just move forward. Man, I, I believe God is going to do revival. And he's already doing revival. It's already started. Their light is beginning to shine in the darkness there. And the darkness cannot overcome. Two more minutes. I got to share just a couple of testimonies of, of some things that have happened. One of, on one of the trips that Cigar went, there was a woman who was in her bed, demonically possessed, yes, it's real, for 10 years. People would come in the church, or in her home, and she'd attack them. Bedridden, I don't know how she attacked, but she did. Went to... The black magic people went to the imams, went to all kinds. Of, they couldn't do anything. They, they would say they could, and nothing would happen. Nothing would change. Sagar and Puja walk in. In the name of Jesus, instantly she's healed. She gets up, and she starts fixing them dinner. <laughs> we actually have a video testimony of her and her husband. Um, it's in Urdu. It hasn't been translated, but that's pretty cool, you know. Um, so there's one of them, one of the testimonies. Another testimony, uh, Cigar actually started working in this area um, before us. He, he had a couple of seeds that he had already planted about a year and a half ago, and, uh, which is awesome. Um, we got to partner with, with some work. There was already a, a few believers, but not many. And uh, uh, there was a, a man, he shared the testimony. This past trip, they got a, a picture of a baby um, that I saw, and they named the baby and they named the baby, um, I forget what the name of the baby was that they named it, but the mom had asked them to name the baby. The husband and wife had came to Cigar and said, um, look, for years we've been trying to have a kid and we can't. I've, I've went to witches and warlocks and paid for their incantations. You know, I, I even worked a whole year in order to buy a goat and then sacrifice the goat and let them drink the blood and, you know, do their stuff. And I still couldn't have a kid. Nothing, nothing has worked. Would you pray? And he prayed. She got pregnant. She had the baby. She's holding the baby. And then he named the, he got to name the baby. Isn't that cool? God does miracles and he, he, he wants to do it not only there, but here. Just so you know, it's not a miracle that changes a person's heart. It's the love of God that changes a person's heart. And he shows his love sometimes through miracles. But he wants to do that through you guys. Why? Because you're the light of the world. A city on a hill that's not supposed to be hidden. Let's not be basket cases anymore. Focus on ourselves. Let's lay our life down and shine his light bright. Amen? Isn't that cool? All right. Here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to close. And when I close... Um, Actually, I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to let Chevy close, because Chevy's going to close. We're not going to, we're not going to do worship this time or anything like that. But in my, in my, I'm going to pray for you, and Chevy's going to come up. 
But I just want you, I mean, I, I said a lot of things today. You know, maybe there was one little piece that hit here or one little piece. That, maybe you didn't catch everything. You're not supposed to, really. You know, hopefully something hit home. But my question to you is what is God asking you to do as a result of the word today? How is he asking you to respond? You know, what does that look like for your daily life? Don't just walk away from here today and say, man, that was cool. I heard a lot of awesome stories. That was awesome. And then forget about it and go on about your life. That's the foolish man who heard the word, built his house on the sand. And when the storm came, it came with a great crash. The wise man hears the words and puts it into practice, builds his house on the rock. So why don't you be a wise man, woman, today? Thank you for tuning in today to the Real Church Podcast. I pray that you walk away from today encouraged with a deeper understanding of how much God loves you. If you'd like to connect with us, we can't wait to reach out to you and pray for you. You can go to www.realchurch.us slash connect. And then also, if you would like to give to what God is doing in and through our ministry, you can do so at www.realchurch.us giving, or you can text any amount to 84321, and then just search in the link that comes up, search for Real Church or God bless you, and the best is yet to come.